Thank you for joining Crossroads Community Church today. We're so excited about what God's doing in the lives of the people of our church and the lives of those who are listening online. If you have any questions or want more information about our church, visit our website at www.crossroadsccl.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now let's jump into the Word with this week's message. So Pastor Anthony and, and Pastor Josh have talked about how to deal with difficult situations, how to deal with difficult people, just how to deal with everything in life that gets thrown at us from day to day. And I'm probably not the only one that has those situations where we deal with on, on a daily basis. We're going to have these trials and tribulations thrown at us because that's what Jesus said, right? You're going to have trials, you're going to have tribulations, but take hold, I've overcome the world, right? So they're there, and that's what Pastor Josh and Pastor Anthony have talked to us about these, this last month or so. The one thing that struck me, though, was, okay, I know the attitudes I have to carry. I know the heart I have to cultivate. I know what I need to do when I have these situations. But how do I do that? How do I get up in the morning and go out and do that day in and day out? You know, I, I think of my dad when he died in the car accident about 30 years ago. And I got the phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning from my brother in Florida. The sad thing about that whole situation was my dad wasn't saved. And I hadn't spoken 10 words to my dad the previous 10 years to the day he died. Now, the reason why I share that example is because it was my job as the Christian, my job, I was called, to have those conversations with my dad, at least try. And I didn't do it. I knew the right thing to do. I knew what God was asking me to do, but I didn't do it. Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I have those conversations with my dad? What was the reason behind that? And that's what I want to talk about today, is how do we get to that point that we can handle these situations that Pastor Anthony and Pastor Joshua talked about? Because they're going to come at us every single day that we wake up. They're going to be there. And we have to respond in the right way in order to live the life that God's called us to live. He's called us to perfection. He wants us to be perfect, to get to that point. And that's a work in progress. That's something we grow into and we mature into. We know why God sent his son. It says so in John 3, 16 17, right? We all know those verses, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. And he didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to what? Save the world. And in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, it says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved, not just some. He wants all people to be saved. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why he's called us here in China Township, to this body of Christ is to go out and spread the good news. And that's what we're here to do. That's why we're called to do that. If you don't believe me, you can read Matthew 28. It's in there. So I just want to expand a little bit on what Pastor Josh and Pastor Anthony brought to us and how to get there and how to do that. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. I believe that. But I didn't talk to my dad for 10 years. And I remember calling down there on the phone, and this is before we had these wonderful gadgets here. We actually had to dial a phone number, call him, hoping he wouldn't answer the phone. Here I am. I'm a Christian. I, I, I'm saved. I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. I believe I was called for a purpose to go out and spread the good news. I couldn't even talk to my own dad. And there's a whole history behind that I won't go into, but it, it, there just is. But I knew better. Therefore, the new creation has come. The old is gone. Uh-uh. Old wasn't gone for me at that point, was it? Why? It says so. I believe it. But I couldn't get there with my own father. And it was just a tragedy, the whole the whole thing for me was just a tragedy that I couldn't overcome at that point. But I knew better. So this is what I want to talk about. 
is how we get to that point. What do we need to do to be able to handle those situations the way God wants to handle those situations? To do what he's calling us to do because he wants all people saved. Not just us in this room today. He wants all people to be saved and know the truth of his son, Jesus Christ. And they're not going to get there unless we can live the life God's called us to live as Christians and handle those situations, the difficult situations, the difficult people, which my dad was both of those, both a difficult situation, both a difficult person. We have to learn how to handle those. Pastor Anthony and Pastor Josh told us what we have to do. They went through it. It's in the scripture. It tells us the attitudes we have to have. It tells us how we have to cultivate our heart. It tells us and gives us all the tools we need to go out there and do what he's asking us to do, to try and live that life, to get to that point where in every situation we're honoring and glorifying God. That's what we're called to do. So my dad's a good example of that because I failed miserably. And I'll give you another example. Denise and I went to Florida. I went down on business. She went down to visit her mom. On the way back, we're in Detroit Metro Airport, one of the airports I hate the most, and I fly every week. I just don't like that airport. But we're walking to get our luggage, and there's this couple from, I don't know where they were, maybe Japan, maybe Korea, I'm not sure, reading the the board for their flights. So Denise, Denise and I are walking. They turn around, he walks right in front of me and bumps into me. And instead of doing what Christ asked me to do and have the proper attitude, I didn't. Now, I didn't say anything to them, but my thoughts weren't where they should have been. My thoughts were like, how rude is that? Come on, do what's going on. Denise, my lovely wife, says, maybe they're having a bad day, Jim. Maybe something happened in their life. What did I say? I didn't handle that situation well either. (laughs) I made that one difficult too point is, from that point forward, I did not have the proper attitude to confront anybody that God was going to put in front of me on the way from there to my luggage. I just didn't, because I already set the tone for the rest of my day until they got home because of that one incident. Same thing with the weather. You know, get up in the morning, oh gosh, it's another cloudy, rainy, stupid day. Man, that, Why? So I get up and say, thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for another day I can breathe and go out and serve you and spread your good news. Instead, I'm worried about the stupid weather. That's what we have to try and overcome. Why is it that we still, I still do that. I'll speak for myself. So if nobody else in here struggles with this, we can go home. Okay, because I've already heard the sermon. I've heard it for a month and a half. Okay, we can go home now and enjoy our sunny day. I don't think I'm the only one that's struggling with this. I don't. The reason why I don't is because Paul wrote so many letters to the church in Rome, to the church in Philippi, to the church in Corinth. His letters to Timothy, his letters to Titus. Go and read those. If you think I'm the only one struggling with that, you're mistaken. Because that's where all the context of my sermon comes today is from the stuff that Paul wrote. Because he gives us all these instructions and gives us all these good things and there's Four things out of all of that that I'm going to use today to explain how we can get there and do what Christ is asking us to do. So I'm not the only one who's probably failed verse 31, and we'll put up there our scripture verse for today. It comes out of 1 Corinthians. There it is. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Do it all to the glory of God, whatever you do. Not some things, not a few things, not the things you want to do, the things you feel like doing, all things, whatever it is. Do it to glorify and honor God. Even when you get out of bed and you look at the weather, just thank him for the fact that there's weather. (laughs) That's what he wants us to do. Do not become a stumbling block, whether to the Jews or the Greeks or the church of God. Doggone it. He's covered everybody. So I can't be a stumbling block to anybody. Just as I try to please everyone in all I do, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, that they may be saved. That's our scripture verse. I'm the first one to admit that in verse 31, there's been days I have not 
met that, either in my words, my thoughts, or my actions, or a combination of all those. I haven't. And it's, it's discouraging too. And it makes me feel unworthy to be up here even today talking to you. But I know that God forgives. I know he does. And we're going to make mistakes, I think. I know I do. But I'm not the only one that's dealing with that. And Paul wrote all these letters. And if you read through them, he's talked about all of these to all those churches at one time or another. For the same reason I bring it to you today. Because we know what we have to do and how we have to do it. It's just getting there and doing it consistently, day in and day out. I have people in my lives that do that. Denise's mother-in-law, Bev. Every day, I don't care what it is. Somebody could have just told her a car and she'll find some way of praising God. She just, that's her natural attitude. That's what she does. We have to train ourselves to get to that point, to do that, so we can handle these situations that are going to come our way that Pastor Anthony, Pastor Josh preached on and Jesus told us about. You will have trials and tribulations. What does that mean? doesn't mean every day is going to be a birthday and a party. You will have these things come across your plate. And I want you to behave in a manner that's worthy of me and what I did for you on the cross. You should be back there. Sorry, it's over there now. On the cross. We have to do that every single day. So, what is it that hinders me from doing that? And I thought about this when I was out walking my dog, one, or actually she was walking me. I don't walk her. They walk us, they train us. And I thought about it. I thought, what is it that's keeping me from doing this? What is it? And what came to my mind was, I allow habits to overrule intention. That's what I do. Even though I'm a new person, says so, new has come, old is gone, I still have these habits that I allow to overrule the intentions that I have. Do I do these things maliciously? Do I do them with the intent to sin? No, I don't. I don't. But they happen. And I need to train myself to do these things differently so I don't become a stumbling block to the people that God puts in front of me in my life that he wants me to talk to, that he wants me to show his glory, his honor, his love, his grace to them so they can come to know the salvation that Jesus Christ has for them too. That's the goal. But I let these intentions, these habits, overrule my intentions. I just do. And that's what i got to try and stop doing. That's what I have to train myself to do. See, in, in 1 Timothy 4, 7-8, Paul says, But reject irrelevant and silly myths, Instead, train yourself for godliness. For a physical exercise is a limit of value. Unless you talk to my doctor, who I just saw this week for my physical, he seems to think otherwise. He said I was old and out of shape. But that's just another thing. But godliness is valuable in every way, holding promise for the present life and for the one to come. So what Paul is telling us there is that training yourself to be godly is far more important than any other training you have in your life. And it has a significant value for our life here and for eternity. That's what he's telling us. So I'm reading this as God's laying this on my heart, and I'm thinking, hmm, okay. What's God trying to tell me there? Train yourself for godliness. Because Matthew 5, 6 also says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What do you hunger and thirst for in your life? What do I hunger and thirst for in my life? It should be that. It should be righteousness. That's what it should be. And not the petty things that I seem to put on my mind when I wake up in the morning like, oh gosh, it's raining again. Well, what a crummy day. You know, we got to get over that. But when Paul said this, to train yourself for godliness, that hit a tone for me because I grew up playing sports. I played football, basketball, baseball. I played anything that was competitive, throwing mud balls at a garbage can. Who can hit it the most? We'd find all sorts of ways, my three brothers and I, and our neighbors to compete. And I thought about this. I thought, I remember playing basketball as a teen organized in, in, in organized sports. I remember there were days I would go to the gym. I would literally shoot free throws for eight hours. I'd actually take a lunch with me. 
and a cooler with, flute, with drinks and stuff. I would sit there and shoot free throws for eight hours. I probably shot 2,000 free throws in those eight hours. Because my goal was to become better, become the best, actually, so I could give my most and so I could win. That's, my, that's what my goal was. I wanted to be the best at what I was doing. I wanted to hone my craft to be the best so I can go on the court and give my most and do my best and win. Because like Vince Lombardi said, we don't play this game to come in second. So that permeated my thought process in sports. And that's what Paul's saying. We have to train ourselves. We have to train ourselves for godliness. I got to the point where I could shoot 90% of my free throws and make them. Now, I can't do that today. But I will say if I go out and start training to do that again like I am in my exercise routine that I started about a year and a half ago, I'll get back to that point eventually because that's what training does for us. And that's what Paul was saying. You got to train to do these things. And that's what we have to do. We have to train to be godly because he said so. It's the, one of the most important things in your life is to train to be godly. Don't worry about all the other training that, that you have to do. Train to be godly. Because we don't want to become a stumbling block to the Jews. We don't. Do not become a stumbling block, whether the Jews, the Greeks, or the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in all I do, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, that they may be saved. That's it, right? That's our goal for serving Christ. So that they may be saved. We have to be out there spreading the good news, dealing with those situations, those people, in a way that we can show honor and glory to God the Father so that they may, may be saved. That's what Paul's telling us. So I said earlier that my habits overrule my intentions. And, you know, they do, still today, to a certain extent. The only good thing about habits is what? They can be what? They can be broken, thank you. They can be broken, they can be broken. That's the only good thing I can find about the habits is that they can be broken. And we want to break those habits. I do. I want to break those habits I have that overrule my intentions. When I get up in the morning and God's asking me to do these things and these situations come across my path, I don't want to do the same things I've been, do been doing as a habit. I want to change that. I want my actions and my words and my thoughts to be sincere. So they glorify and honor Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm striving to do. I'm striving to be perfect in that way. So we can break these habits. Because Jesus called us to a life that's cemented in his love. And it's unshakable, it's unbreakable, and like the Titanic, it's unsinkable. That's what God, through his son Jesus Christ, has laid out for us. Do as I'm asking, obey me, love me, go out in the world, spread the good news, and that's the life you're going to live. And that's what we're trying to do. Are we going to make mistakes? Okay, I'll speak for myself, probably, because I still do. But we can overcome those mistakes. Paul says in Philippians 3, 12 through 14, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So even Paul said that. He hasn't fully figured this out, but he knows that if he forgets about the past and thinks about the future and does what God, Christ, has asked him to do, he's going to run that race, as he said in a later passage, until he's called back home. Paul likened all this to, a, to an athlete. He did on two or three occasions. That's why I picked up on this, because I played sports, and I can relate to that. And I can put it in my mind that way. And it helped me to, to see the, where I'm failing and how I can change that. And it's an, it's, it's an easy change. It, it really is. So if we blow it one day, or if I blow it one day, I know I can get on my knees, 
I have a father who sent his son to die for my sins. I can ask for forgiveness, get up, go out there, and go and do what he's asking me to do again. I don't have to feel discouraged about it. And I do. When I fail, I'm very discouraged about that because I know what he wanted me to do. I know what he's asked and called me to do, and yet I fail. And it, it, does, it is very discouraging because I sometimes feel like I'm the only one out there that's having these failures. And why? Why are other people, why is it easier for them to do these things? Why is it just natural for them but not natural for me? Why is that? Because I have to break those habits. We weren't called to live a life of habits. We were called to live a life of sincerity that glorifies and honors God. That's what I was missing, that piece of the puzzle. You ever put puzzles together and can't find the one piece? Yeah. Of course, then I find out my wife has in her pocket, but... You know, I'm struggling to find this piece. Where's that piece at? Where's it at? Come on. I'm college educated. I should find that piece. No, just kidding. She has it. So we're going to blow it. But we can ask for forgiveness. We can get up and go back out and do it again and, 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 and break those habits that ensnare us, that have, have us shackled, or at least has me shackled some days, because that seems to be my natural instinct. I grew up in a family that was very sarcastic, very cynical, very critical, very judgmental, and violent. There was a lot of violence in my family, too. So those things kind of honed who I was for a long time. I had to be very defensive because I always had to defend my position because I was never able to do anything correct. Everything was always wrong. You stupid moron. Gosh, can't you see that? What is wrong? You know, I can, the list goes on and on. So I formed all these things around me to combat all that. And I left the house at an early age. I could barely drive a car. I moved out. And I let those habits come into my life even as a Christian. And that's what I have to break. I have to break those habits somehow, some way. And that's what I'm going to get to today. There's four things. Actually, there's five. But I'll talk on four of those because the fifth one is just a natural reaction to the four. There's four things we can do to train ourselves to be ready for these situations and, and these occurrences in our life. It's the same thing as an athlete. All the things I ever did in sports all contain some of the same aspects of training. You had to train. Do you think world athletes don't train? These guys that are running four-minute miles for 26 miles in a marathon, do you think they don't train? No, they train every single day. Every day they get up, they have a regiment that they go through. There's conditioning, there's muscle memory, repetition. There's learning from others, your diet. All of these things are very important when you train. And we can use that same model to train ourselves, as Paul said, to be godly. And that's what he's called us to do, and that's what he has shown us. And I read through all of what Paul wrote and what he said, and I picked up these four things that we can use for our training regimen. You know, I go to Planet Fitness, and I have a training regimen that I go through because I'm trying to get back in shape. And I stopped exercising back in, I don't know, 2005. I hurt my back. And I used to do everything. I ran all the time, you know, 1,500, 2,000 miles a year. I lifted weights. I always played sports. I got older, hurt my back, and all that stuff stopped. And I soon found out that I was out of shape. Well, I didn't think I was out of shape. I went to my doctor and said, hey, I think I'm having heart issues because it runs on my mom's family. Here are my symptoms. Six or seven months worth of testing he went through for me. He sat me down one day, and he's on his little chair. He's got a stethoscope on it, a little chair with the wheels on it. He's got his clipboard, and he scoots up to me. He goes, here's all your tests, Jim. Everything is fine. Your heart is fine. Your arteries are fine. Everything's fine. Your problem is, is you're out of shape and you're getting old. That's exactly what he said to me. And I'm like, I'm paying you for this? <laughs> Holy cow. Thanks for the brutal honesty. Good thing I don't have any feelings. Because if I did, I'd be crying in the corner. But that's what he said to me. And I wanted to argue with him, but I didn't. 
But sure enough, you fast forward about four years later, I started working out about a year and a half ago. He's correct. I was just out of shape and getting old. He listed down all the things, too, that change when you get my age. And I'm 60, you know, I'm 61. All these things. This doesn't work anymore. You don't produce this. You don't produce that. You don't do, I mean, it was pretty negative. It was like, gosh, just put me on an ice floe now and ship me out into the ocean. <laughs> I might as well just, you know, I'm dead. But he said, these things don't work. They're not like when you're 20 and 25 and 30. And I was living a very sedentary life. I, was, I fly here all the time. I'm in a car, driving to my customer. And I sit in front of my customer. I get done. I go to the hotel. I sit on the bed. I hack out my email. I wasn't doing anything. I was a lazy person. I really was, physically. And that's what I did. So I got back into conditioning. And that's what Paul's telling us. He said, Jim, don't be lazy. Get off your bed. Get out of your chair. Get out of your plane. Get out of your car. And start exercising spiritually so you can handle these situations that come your way. Because they're going to come your way. That's what Paul's saying. So the first one is prayer. And I picked Hebrews 10, 19 through 22, but I could have picked so many different ones. But this is a good place to start. Prayer is our way of conditioning. That's how we condition our heart and our mind the very first thing we do in the morning. I find that when I don't pray... I just don't have the proper attitude. I don't feel good about my day if I don't have, if I forget to pray or I get lazy and I don't pray. Praying is our way of conditioning our mind and our heart to get ready for what God has for us that day. We can have that one-on-one conversation with God and know that he's listening because he said he will listen to our prayer. We know he's listening. We fall on our knees, we, we give them all of our concerns, all of our doubts, all of our worries. We ask for his protection, we ask for his guidance. Prepare the hearts of the people you're going to bring to me, Lord. Prepare my heart for the day. That's what the pr- prayer does for us. It conditions us. It starts that conditioning of our brain and our heart so we can get ready for what God has for us that day. Because there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to come our way. Guarantee it. At least it does in my life. Every single day, there's something that comes across my path that I need to react to in a certain way, whether it's personal, work, it doesn't matter. It's there. And I have to honor and glorify God and what Jesus did for me on the cross in that situation. No matter what it is, people walking across me at the airport... People messing up the order at the restaurant. You know, stuff like that. All these things. Or the actual person that God throws in front of you that has to hear the word of God and the word of truth that moment. I need to be able to do that in an attitude that glorifies and honors God so they see his love through me. Because if they don't, I'm just a stumbling block to that person. And I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't. That's just too discouraging for me. I don't want to be that person. I want to be Bev. (laughs) And everything that goes on, I want to praise God and serve him the way he's called me to serve him. So prayer is very important. It just prepares the way for us that day. And we find solace in, in our Father too, right? Comfort. We find his love. We find answers. We can unload everything. He's, your, he, he's our best friend because he wants to hear all that stuff. He wants us to get on our knees and just give him everything. Here you go, Lord. He said that. I'll take all your burdens. I'll free you from all that so you can go out and do what I'm asking you to do and not have to worry about these things. Conditioning. We have to condition our mind and our hearts every single morning, first thing. And like I said, when I don't, I can tell the difference. I, I can. All throughout my day, I'm like, why didn't I sit down and pray and do my devotion? But then again, like Paul says, pray continually. Your whole day should be a prayer to God. Everything that goes on that day, you should be in prayer to God. That's what Paul said. Pray without ceasing. 
pray continually. And I'm trying to teach myself to do that, and I'm going to because I'm going to train. I'm going to do this regimen. I'm going to train myself to get out of these habits that override my intentions. I'm going to do that. And we're going to start with prayer. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. So it doesn't matter what the situation is. Somebody could have just ran your car off on the road and totaled your car. And what does Paul say? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with, oh yeah, thanksgiving. Okay. I have to be thankful that somebody told on my car. Yeah, you do. You got to thank God that you weren't killed. You got to thank God that you weren't hurt. You got to thank God, whatever the reason, you got to give him the thanks for that. You can't take the opposite approach like I tend to do sometimes because I let that habit override my intention. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. This is Ephesians 6.18. With all kinds of prayers and requests. So, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Not some, not a few, not the ones you want. All occasions. Okay, pray continuously. Pray without ceasing. Prayer just gets our mind in the right spot. Gets our heart motivated. Gets our heart clean and cleansed. And we get to unload all that onto God our Father. And He's going to take that away from us. And He's going to carry that burden for us. And we're going to be able to get up and know that we can go out today and serve God and reach the many who we want saved. The second one is to read the Bible. Hello, that's the instruction, right? That's our diet too. When I was learning to play baseball and basketball and football, did I go out there and know what I was doing when I first started? Of course not. I probably thought I did because I'm just a guy and, you know, I have an eagle, I guess. <laughs> but I knew nothing. Somebody had to instruct me. Somebody had to give me, hey, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. You're better off doing this. Hey, if you do that, you're going to get hurt. Here's how you do this. Somebody had to give me instructions. We have the Bible. I don't have one here with me, but it's on my phone. He left the Bible, those words, for a reason. He didn't leave them just for the sake that we might read it one day. He left his words intentionally for us. Just like he said, I'm going to leave somebody, an advocate here with you that's going to help you, lead you, guide you. He left the Holy Spirit for us too. His words are there for a reason. It's the instruction manual for life. We need to read this every single day. If you think of it in that context, that it's the owner's manual for our life, that's how important it is. Now, I'm going to share a couple things with you because I'm a guy, there's a lot of guys here, and I'm thinking that you'll probably relate to, to some of this stuff. I went to Lawrence Tech, which is now Lawrence Technological University, and my undergrad is in engineering. And I learned a lot of complex things, a lot of complex theories, a lot of stuff, because I had a major in math to, to do all the things I was doing. But the most frustrating thing I've ever had in my life is putting those toys together on Christmas for my kids. And I'm thinking, I'm an engineer from Lawrence Tech, a highly rated school in North America. Why am I struggling with this stupid toy? And there's my beautiful wife again, Denise. Just get the instruction manual. Two things. That situation didn't go well either. Because <laughs> I didn't handle that one very, very well either. The instruction manual, what, are you serious? I'm an engineer. And <laughs> so frustrating how a simple little toy can be so frustrating to put together on Christmas Day. And I didn't read the manual. And, I, and it brought to mind my father and my grandfather. I did a lot of stuff with my grandfather as a young kid, my grandfather had a lot, of, a lot of talent and a lot of things. So he taught me plumbing and construction and a lot of things. But the most famous thing out of his mouth and my dad's mouth too was, well, if it doesn't work, we'll just get a bigger hammer and a bigger screwdriver. What does that mean? Well, I found out what that meant. 
But what followed that always was, and if that fails, we'll read the instructions. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a guy thing. Am I the only guy that struggles with stuff like that? I don't think so. Please, please tell me I'm not, okay? Don't embarrass me on the podium today. Read the manual. <laughs> Come on. That's how we get instructions. That's what the Bible's for. That's why he left it for us, is to read the manual so we can get instructions on what we need to do. All the answers are there. That's why he gave it to us. Yeah, don't call the engineer because we won't read the manual, okay? We just don't. Well, that's true. He injured our life. So we have to read the manual. We have to read that. We have to get our instructions. That's our diet. In that manual is what we need to do to live a successful life. All of God's truth is in that manual. That's the diet that we want to eat, is what is in that manual. Those are the instructions that we want to learn. What's in that manual? That's what we need to do. That's how we're going to get to where Pastor Anthony and Pastor Josh, Josh preached on. That's how we're going to be able to handle these situations and not let habits overrule our intention. We're going to build on this. We're going to strengthen our spiritual muscle, our heart, to learn how to love in every situation and do what God's asking us to do in the proper way at the proper time so that many can be saved. So we have to read the manual. We just do. And if we read the manual, we'll learn, we'll understand what we need to do and how we need to do it. And we'll do it the proper way and not the wrong way. And that toy on Christmas won't take that long to put together. And I won't have to discuss that with Denise when she's right about it. And I'm arguing, I don't need the manual. Just read the manual, Jim. Come on, it's been an hour. Kids want the toy. <laughs> okay? Read the manual. We have to read the manual. We have to put that first and foremost. We just do. And there's a lot of scripture for that too, right? For man shall live on nothing but God's word, right? That's what he wants us to live on. His word and his word alone. For the word of God is alive and active. I want that to be alive and active. I do, because that helps me, right? It's alive and active. It's not dead. He's not a dead God. He's alive. He's among us. He's here. He's waiting to come back his second time to come get us. It's alive and it's active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And that's a key point. When we're reading God's manual, his instruction book, it'll help us to see the things that we're doing wrong, the things that we need to do different. Because it judges our thoughts, it judges our intentions helps set us straight, put us on the path he wants us to be on. That's what it does. It helps us to overcome all the stuff you're going to hear in today's society. And believe me, the things you hear out in today's society, I'm not on social media, I don't even watch the news. But what's out there today is not what it says in God's book. It's very much contrary to what God is asking us to do. So, we need to be feeding on the proper diet. We need to be getting the proper instructions. Because if we don't, we can be led far, far astray. And before we know it, it's too late. Because we weren't in the right book, reading the right instructions, eating the right food. We weren't. The third one is praise. Repetition. Praise is fundamental. Number one, praise is threefold from what I, I've read. First and foremost, God deserves all the praise. He does. Now, I can go in the Bible and find a thousand different reasons why he deserves all the praise, but I'm only going to give you one because it's all it needs for me. He sent his son to die on that cross for my wretched sins so I could be blameless to my father and live a life eternal with him. Enough said. And if I was on TV and one of those shows, I'd be dropping the mic right now. <laughs> Drop the mic. Because that's all I need to say. It's done. That's why he deserves all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. And if we don't do that, the rocks will. Nature will. He says that. But we need to do that. 
The second thing about praise is it reminds us of the truth. It reminds us of the instructions in the diet that we just read and we just ate. For us, it helps to, you know, to remind us and keeps us humble because when we praise God, we're praising God for what he did, not for what we did. We didn't do it. God did it through us. It just helps us remember that. It helps us to, to encourage ourselves that, oh, yeah, thank you, God, yesterday for bringing that person to my path. Thank you for allowing me to, to speak your words of truth. Thank you for whatever. We give him the praise, honor, and glory for that because, number one, he deserves it. Number two, it just helps us. It reminds me of when I was in college. I used this technique when I was studying for tests for all the classes I didn't think I needed, the non-injuring classes, you know, that wasted my time. You know, like English and stuff like that. History. So what I did was, I would take the class book and the notes I took in class. I would go home. I would read through all the material the first time. Then I'd read through the material again and I'd write it down. I would take notes. Then I would read the manual those, the, the, the book, those notes, and my class notes out loud. So I was using more than one of my senses. And that would help me memorize all those things that I didn't want to memorize. Because I didn't care about the subjective verb, whatever. I'll, you know, I'll figure it out. Praise is the same thing in, in, in that context for me. It helps us to remember those things. To remember what we just did. To remember the good things that just happened. To remember what we read in our instructions to help us, remember, help us, us to remember that and to go out the next day and do it again because it's first and foremost in our mind because we're giving God the praise and the honor and the glory for that. And one thing about it too, when you read Hebrews 13, 15, there's a part here that says, the fruit of the lips that openly profess his name. Out loud, folks. Not in your closet, not in your head, not to yourself. Out loud, openly professes. Why is Paul saying that? Because that's the third part of praise. It's there for the people around you too. It helps non-believers and even other believers see the greatness of God. It sees that he really does live. He really does work. He is authentic because you're praising him for it. Thank you for doing this for me yesterday. Thank you for allowing it. It's a, a way of affirming to the people around us. That's why Paul made it a point to say, profess it openly. He wants the people around us to hear that. They have to hear it. That's how they see it. That's how they get that affirmation. And that's one thing I will say about Denise's stepmom, Beth. She does that all the time. And again, like I said, in, in any situation. But she's not afraid to do that openly. I have been a little bit hesitant to do that openly. But I can't be because I need those people that we want saved. And many to be saved, we want them to hear how great God is and what he's done, how he's helped heal, save, how he's helped provide, how he's loved me, and all the situations that he's taken care of for me that he's asked me to do. I want people to hear that and to know that and to see that. That's how they get to be a part of what God's doing, even though they don't even know it yet, and they may not even be saved. But they get to hear that from us. We get to be the affirmation, the confirmation to them that Jesus Christ is real. If we don't profess it out loud, nobody hears it. You might as well be in a silent-proof chamber or, or a get-smart cone of silence. We have to profess it openly so the people around us can hear it. So praise is a repetition which is the same thing I did, you know, playing sports. Repetition. Muscle memory. Get it there. The last thing is fellowship. And there's not, I mean, I think that's pretty obvious why fellowship is important. And there's a lot of scripture written about fellowship, especially from Paul, because he's been writing to these churches probably more than he wanted to, to get them to understand, hey, are you forgetting what uh, I taught you 
Yeah, I think you are. Let's go back over it again. But fellowship is very important because this is where we get together and we can encourage each other. We pray for each other. We lift each other up. We can even admonish. Please don't. But we can do all those things. It helps us. And this is what we learn from other people. We can learn from their, from their experiences too. I mean, it happened with Paul's travels many times. People learn from Paul just by going with them, by eating with them, by sharing with them. They learned. This is what we can learn from our teachers, like we're doing today, like when Pastor Anthony preaches or we have, you know, whatever training we're having. That's all time that we get together as brothers and sisters, and we sharpen each other's saws so that we're prepared and ready to go out the next day. That's why fellowship is so important. It is very important for us to get together, to do that, and to give God all the thanks, all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, right, for what he's done in all of our lives. That's why we're here today. We came here today really to worship God, right? The intent wasn't really to hear my sermon, It really wasn't. The intent was to get together today and come and give God all the glory and honor and praise for what he did for us this past week in our lives and what he's done for all of us and what he's going to do for us. That's why we're here. We're here to have conversation. We're here to talk to each other, to pray for each other, to lift each other up. Hey, how'd your week go? Hey, I experienced this. That's what we're here for. It's no different than the, you know, some of the societies I belong to in my profession. I go there to get up to date, stay up to date with technology, stay up to date with things that are going on. No different here. You get together and maybe you learn something new about something that's going on out in the world. Hey, there's this new thing going on out there that's you know, counter to our beliefs. Be aware of this. And then, we'll, you know, then Pastor Anthony will probably have a sermon that trains us on how to handle that situation. We learn, right? We learn from others. Same thing in sports. I learn from other people. I learned a lot. Hey, Jim, when you're getting a rebound, you know you can go like this and smack the guy next to you in the calf and he'll fall down, but the rest won't see it. Hey, and I get the rebound. You know? <laughs> I mean, you learn from other people. You learn these things from them because they have experiences that we don't have. We don't experience everything in our life. We experience... Just what we're going to experience, and it's not everything. So we need other people around us who are like-minded to help us. To help us see, maybe we, are, we, did, maybe we did do something wrong. They can help us to see that too in a loving, kind way. Well, the world is just going to rip you apart. We can do that with love, and that's what Paul said, right? That is that you and I may mutually encourage be encouraged by each other's faith. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and prayer. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Be completely humble and gentle. I got to work on those two. I admit it. Okay? <laughs> Work in progress. Be patient. Okay, the three. Bearing with one another in love. Okay, four. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Bearing with one another in love is very important because I can say, you know, Denise can say a lot of things to me in love and I, and I accept it because I know she loves me and she's doing it from, you know, for my benefit. But I'm not going to really understand that or accept that from people I don't know who I think are bashing me. It's a little bit different. We get together, we love each other, we can, we can have these conversations and we can really help each other sharpen our saws and, and, and help us make those correct steps when we go out the next day. Getting together today is going to help us to be prepared for tomorrow when we walk out this door. It is. I'm going to learn something new today. I may be old, but I still learn. I don't know everything. There was a time I did, but I, you know, my wife made it very clear that I don't. And she's right. My kids have made it very clear too, although I tell them they're wrong. (laughs) I do know everything, but I don't. I don't know everything. And I want to be open to learning every day. I want to learn 
something new that's going to help me to go out and be a better servant for Christ so I can reach the many that we want to be saved. I want to do that. And this gathering here helps me do that because I have conversations and there's always something that gets thrown at me by God, of course, that goes, hmm, I didn't know that. Okay, good piece of advice. So with that, those are the four things of our regiment that we need to do on a daily basis. At least the prayer, reading God's word, and giving God praise are just things we need to start doing on a daily basis to overcome the habits that we have and gather with like believers so we can sharpen our saw. So, you know, for us to live that life, a sincere life, we have to train and train and train and train like athletes do. We are, our goal is to be finely tuned athletes for Christ because Paul likened it to a race. So we're all running this race and we all want to be as finely tuned as possible in that race so we can get to that prize, right? When God calls us home to live with him in eternity. We want to be able to handle situations so the many can be saved. That's why we're here. And if we're going to pass on, I, I mean, our, our, I'm going to use our, what we believe here at Crossroads, that we pass on an obedient relationship to the community, then we can't be a stumbling block, right? We can't be a stumbling block to the many that want to be saved, that need to be saved, that we, that we want saved. We can't do that if we aren't exercising training to become able to handle those situations that are going to come our way in our life every single day. So, I want to leave you with, as the worship team comes up, that you're never too old, even though my kids think I'm too old to learn anything. Or I actually had a guy at work, he's, he's a millennial, and he walked up to me one day and he goes, hey Jim, can you help me with this one app? It was the Hilton Honors app, because I travel all the time. I want to get some points for a stay I had. I don't, don't know how to do it. Another millennial started laughing. and he goes, Chaz, are you serious? You're going to ask this old guy how to use an app on a phone? I'm like, holy cow. All right. You're never too old to learn. You're never too old to exercise. I found that out. I went back to exercising, and I can tell you right now, I feel physically 100% better than I felt a year and a half ago. You're never too old to do these things, and we have to get in the right shape in order to serve God to handle those situations.